to another edition of the True Legal Podcast with me, Andrew Gray. Today I'm delighted to have with me a lawyer and a friend of mine, Anne Page. Anne, how are you? I'm very well, Andrew. How are you? Oh, super, thank you. Now, we've known each other for about seven years because you taught me, I think it was a Management Stage 2 course, just as I was setting up my law firm. And you've never looked back. And I've never looked back, and we've been sort of close ever since. And more recently, you've come on board with our Truth Recruit offering as one of the coaches, which is, we're absolutely delighted to have you as one of the coaches. But could you tell the listeners uh, a little bit about who your, back, your background, you know, where you worked and so on, please? I was trained in-house with Citibank, like going back a few years, and I spent nearly 30 years as an in-house lawyer. So learning all about business, particularly in the banking field, and I have been privileged since 2003 to train nearly 7,000 lawyers. That's a good number. Including yourself. No, it's a great number, isn't it? In terms of leadership, management, business skills, the whole interpersonal skills. So when I coach or train, hopefully I can answer any question they throw at me. But I ask them not to ask me any. I can't. Saves embarrassment all round. It does. Now, let's just talk about the difference between in-house lawyers and sort of private practice lawyers. If you're in-house oh. all that time, what do you bring to the party that sort of a more private practice sort of lawyer coach would bring? The major difference, well, there are lots of differences, but one of the key differences is your client sits next door and you are both working to a common goal, which is the um, development of the business or ensuring that you are regulatory compliant and it's the entity that you both work, work for. Therefore, it's much more collegiate and if you are doing your job right, you understand the politics of your organisation, you understand you know, the financial figures of your organisation, you understand all the key players so that you can make sure that your service actually serves that organisation and keeps them legal. Sure, I understand. You were at the co-op as well, I think. I was head of legal for the co-op and I left in 2003 and what happened to them after that has got nothing to do with me. Absolutely. I think they miss me. I bet they do. I bet they do. Um, I had 13 and a half years there and uh, had a fabulous team and I loved every minute of it. And the year that I did leave, I was recognised as a top 100 lawyer. I had got a 100% client satisfaction rating inside, so it probably was a good time to um, quit while I was ahead. Yeah, the Manchester City captain has just done something similar. Scored a winning goal, <laughs> won the treble, left to go to Anderlecht. Sounds, like, good, sounds like a good plan. Yeah, you're just following his footsteps. <laughs> sure, so your background is more uh, sort of in-house than, than private practice, and I guess what you're saying is in-house lawyers not only are more collegiate, but perhaps a bit more business savvy as well, actually, rather than looking at billable hours and so on, it's more how is the health of the business that you're working for. I never really thought of it like that. And budgeting. Two or three years ago, I did blogs on how to, if you like, discuss budgets, set budgets, especially when you're looking at variable caseloads, whether or litigation. There are ways that you can do this, and it's important. You have to give the business as much certainty as you can. You know, and, and that applies whether I'm coaching or training. You have to give them as much certainty as you can, given the circumstances that they're in. Thank you. Would you say that you know, private practice lawyers, perhaps a bit like me, you know, have any sort of anything that we can really learn from the, the in-house lawyer world, which I don't know at all? I think it depends on which area you're in. If you're, for example, employment, then understanding as a business owner, 
employment challenges makes you more empathic and understanding. If you're in PI, it's just going to be a total different world. So I can't really see bridges or synergies, really, that that would enable you. I think if you're running a business, a legal business, then yes, looking at how industry does it and then taking out what will work for you. Because again, we see loads of people or businesses use social media, but social media and PI don't necessarily go together. So, so there are, you know, it's more tricky. It just depends on the sector. Got it. Now, you say you've coached 7,000 lawyers and or trained them. And I'd say I was one of those sort of seven years ago. So, and also more recently. How can coaching help lawyers? Because surely us lawyers are all superhuman. We've got our GCSEs, good results, our A-levels, good results, our degree, our training contract and billable targets, you know, we're pretty, you know, powerful, omnipotent lawyers. You know, what on earth could we learn from a coach? I say sort of tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, what's your take on that? And then we place you in the real world where you have to manage staff without any training, where you have to communicate with clients without any understanding of your, the impact of your communication or empathy or what your body language does. Um, or you end up running a department or you have to lead a business with no training. And even when you do get training, you come out to the real world and you find everybody's uh, not read the script. And so coaching is that bridge from training uh, into the real world to take what you know, uh, expand it, help you embed change. Because I'm sure you and anybody listening to this pod. Um, can find change challenging from time to time. We're going with the best intentions and then all sorts of crises happen and we forget. We forget to breathe so that we can come across calm and collected or we forget that we were going to organise our day differently um, to be more productive or we were going to actually create time to just listen to our staff. You know, listening is one of the most important things I would say we could do for our clients our uh, staff and even at home. Good advice. Not not judging, just not listening. Not judging. Oh, thank you. I know you know my personal circumstances. Atrocious, but there we are. And I hear what you say about lawyers who are trained to manage staff, because what tends to happen in nearly any law firm is the best lawyers at their particular skill then progress to become team managers. Uh, directors, partners, whatever, based on their legal skills, not on their sort of human skills and management skills. So very often you have the worst managers are the best billers or the best, or you know, technically the best in the wrong jobs, who are then uh, charged with mentoring people below them and making an absolute hash of it. You can make it up. I don't think they do this in the industry or maybe in house world, but it certainly happens in private practice and it's, it's absurd. I think the professions are worse at it. It can happen in industry. They're not perfect. But certainly they tend to have programmes that develop the staff, not only for today, but for the future. So it's looking at your skill set, both technical and human, shall we call it, uh, and perhaps business. One of the things in terms of uh, developing your human side is building a network. And of the interviews that I've done for my next book, um, that has come across loud and clear. If you want to develop the 
business and your interpersonal skills, networking and building the relationships, you know, like and trust at an early age that you develop throughout your career is a really good platform to bring you back down to earth a bit from perhaps this ivory tower of all these um, knowledge. And I certainly was not taught at law school about networking and about no like and trust. It was none of that stuff at all. It was yeah. much more academic and pretty dry and dull at that. And then as a trainee, again, you're not really taught those things because you're not sent out to network because you're only a mere trainee sister and you might be gone in a couple of years anyway. And why would you put a trainee sister in front of a major client? You just wouldn't do it. So you end up sort of getting to a place where you really, well, you don't know what you're doing really when it comes to managing clients and teams and so on. So could you give us some examples then as to how you know, people who've engaged your services over the last over near 16 years have sort of developed? I'll give you recent examples where I am coaching um, those in leadership and management positions, whether their own business or in a department. So, for example, you are looking at taking your legal offering to the next level. So where do you start? How do you do that? Because we, there are two strategies. We either go out to the market and see what's out there and what people need, or we take our skills out to the market and try and sell it and to create that need. Uh, and legal kind of floats in between the two. So there is something about guiding a couple of business owners who set up, this is their third year, into looking at how to do things easier, what systems to put in place. And because I've um, trained that many people, I, I have a, um, a good background, not only in the actual sector they're in, but in, in actually how to set this up. Because um, So we're looking at product development, we're looking at how it will uh, look on their website, how they will sell it, all sorts of different things. In terms of where they're leading or managing a department, it is invariably um, conflict resolution, and that can be tricky. Because there's two things going on in conflict resolution. One is how you are feeling about either watching it unfold or being um, the recipient of it. So it's about getting you centred and you in a resourceful place to be able to deal with it and then to lead them into a resourceful place to guide them or even make the difficult decision that actually that behaviour is so out of place that it's not acceptable anymore. And there are different ways you, you can tackle that. You can either tackle it as a team, how can we have best practices, or you can tackle it one-on-one. -on -one. They're, they're a bit so, so it is tricky to give specific, I can't give names in that sort of thing, but certainly. Oh, the other one that comes up regularly is how do I set boundaries? I was once their mate and now I'm the boss. And again, we have to say, what boundaries do you want in place? So, you know, there may come a time where you can't go to the pub every night, so every Friday night with them, but maybe you go uh, for the first half an hour and then leave them so you're, you're still, and maybe you gradually reduce it so that you go once a month for the whole evening. So, so you're keeping that social interaction, but it's become clear that you're doing it because you care and want to, um, connect with your team, not as their mate. When you're coaching a lawyer, how frequently would you uh, see or speak to them? Is it 
once a day, once a week, once a month scenario? It varies. It, it really does vary. Um, I have packages. Um, if it's a business package, then we have obviously business goals that we will set up and that package will be anything which may include some training and some coaching. And it may be over, um, you know, once every fortnight, we will spend a block of time together um, to, to achieve the goal set for that. If it's coaching, then it tends to be on an hour basis. So it might be you're giving a presentation tomorrow because even though one of my clients has lectured, we were looking at presenting from the platform her specific expertise in a way that's engaging. So we spent one hour, she went and delivered. Then for another session, a different, slightly different session, we spent another hour. Now she's got the frameworks on how to craft an opening that grabs their attention, how to finish with a call to action, and, you know, how to fill it so that it doesn't come across as a dry topic. So essentially your coaches, if that's the right word, people that are seeking your help, can come to you with almost any problem that's going on in their working world, whether it's putting a presentation together or conflict resolution or whatever it could be. Oh, their self-confidence, I'm um, taking on... A new client recently who wants to specifically look at self-confidence and another client who is a young lawyer who is really really good he's looking um, to have coaching to go from good to great to actually you know because at the moment she's doing very well um however she is aware that you know she doesn't want to stand still she wants to continue so that she's always ahead now for some people who are slightly competitive, they might want to be ahead. Um, because of the age I am, Andrew, that I don't want to be locked into any one particular topic or any one particular framework or pattern or module. I like to sort of be able to choose it. And certainly with my own staff, I've, I've had two trainees when I was in-house, uh, certainly at the Cotter Bank. Uh, two of my managers were being fast-tracked up the corporate ladder. Uh, the other manager was going from a legal exec to a solicitor. We were developing him. My people got developed whether they liked it or not. <laughs> they love me now. <laughs> Maybe not so much at the time, but they, um, I mean, that the person who uh, returned to a solicitor is now a professor. Well, he's just retired, but he ended up lecturing at one of the universities. So one of the things that people ask me is, how do we find a coach? You know, without being clairvoyant, you know, and know exactly if this coach is going to help you or not, there are certain things you can do. First of all, do you want a coach that has industry information? Do you want an internal coach within the organisation? Do you want a coach that has nothing to do with the industry? So there are some questions that you can have a think about there. So when you've decided what is it that you want to achieve, so if it's self-confidence, there are lots of self-confidence coaches out there. So, and the way the process is, most coaches will have coffee and cake with you. Cake's very important, Andrew. But we'll, we will have coffee and cake and help you assess what is it you're trying to achieve. Um, because your success is paramount in this process. So is it self-confidence in terms of presentation? Is it self-confidence in terms of uh, clients? Is it self-confidence if it's in family law and they get distressed how do you handle that how do you stay calm but empathic 
So, so there's a number of things that, that we'll go through in those goals. And, you know, the clearer that you can be what you're trying to achieve, obviously the easier it is, but a good coach will help you and things will unfold. Because once you start the process, sometimes, oh, maybe we could put that in or maybe we could put, certainly when I'm doing business training, it will be, each will be added, something. And sometimes I, I will get phone calls, well, this has happened in my office and a bit like a good solicitor, I wouldn't charge for that. Okay. You, you know, you just don't. Sure. Now, typically then, who pays for your services if um, a lawyer is working at a private practice or in-house or whatever? Is it okay for them to go and speak to their boss and say, look, boss, can you spend X pounds on my coaching because I want to go, uh, be better at all I do? Does that happen? And if, when that does happen, does the business thing, oh, I'm saying, if we improve that person, they're just going to want to leave. You know, and therefore, why would we want to pay for someone who's going to be better and we're quite happy with them at the moment? We don't really want them to be any better because they're just cheering the work out and we're good with that. You know, how do businesses deal with requests for payment? I, I think there's several things there. If we take somebody who is, is uh, like one of my clients, who is good, right, and wants to go to be great. Now, she works for a very, very large law firm. Then how beholden is it on that law firm to release the potential of their staff so that they stay? So it's, they're more likely to keep them because they could create resentment in the person that they wouldn't spend. And it's not, when you look at their training budgets, it's not a lot of money. Andrew, and we certainly don't charge London prices. So, you know, that they're getting Yorkshire prices. Um, if you're looking at organisations like yourself or organisations who are legal business owners, then, then they clearly pay for it. And on payment, you know, it's a topic Brits find hard to talk about, but I'm going to ask you, you know, what is the cost of using your services? Um, do you do a, a free session? Because you know, how do you know you're going to work or want to work with the coachee? You know, could you explain how the charging process works? Okay, you're absolutely right. There has to be some uh, conversation and some kind of meeting. And one of the things I'm assessing is how much they want this. Because I want to work with people who want to achieve goals, who want to change whatever it is they want to change, or want to embed the training that they've learnt. So I certainly don't want somebody uh, on the other side who, and I have experienced it in the past, not recently, not in the last five years, but previously, where a company has paid and they did it for tick box. I'm too old to do tick box. You've got to want to change. So if it's a one-off situation, so somebody came and they did uh, presentation skills, is it the easiest one-off? And we, we did spend two hours doing that, that costs them £300 because it's £150 per hour. If you buy a general package, I do, you buy four and get the fifth one free, so you save £150 on a package. I do various themed business packages. Now, they are very custom made, but they can range from anything from 750 to 1900 so it just depends because some may have a training. So where people are setting up on their own or want to revamp their business or it's not giving them the return 
then then we'll we may have the drains up. So we will start with a strategy session and go through a number of different headings, whether that's you know why are they doing it, um, uh, looking at their clients, looking at their market, looking at their whether the products and services. Um, looking if they want to stay in a geographical area, where they want to be online, where they don't want to be online. So there's a lot of kind of strategy to come out with an action plan, but I'm a very much a how-go. So essentially it's bespoke. It's bespoke. My, my, I do have packages, but but I, I we will sit down and we will agree them. Where the company pays for them, then we have to put in confidentiality agreements because for because whilst we're paid by somebody else, the client is the person on coaching. That makes perfect sense, sure. So and your face is all over our website. <laughs> the Truth Recruit uh, signed as one of our uh, top coaches, which is great to have you on there. Um, but other than finding you on our website, how do people contact you if they want to engage with you? You know, see your pricing, what you can offer them, etc. If they want to actually see me, it's best to go on the website, which is yorkshirecoursesforlawyers.co.uk. And if they've got three minutes spare time, there's actually a showreel, as we call it, uh, in the trade of me um, presenting. Um, so they can actually see me in action. There's a whole range of information. What might also be of interest is the blogs from anything from imposter syndrome to creating time boundaries to how to network, how to set up your credibility in 60 seconds, all sorts of things are on there. The last, I have to say, blogs have been in the mental health arena because that's been a real common theme and I've been working with a number of firms on that. But they can also find me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn gives a lot more detail detail about my background and, and that kind of thing. Super. Anne, thank you. It's good to have you in. I've known you for a long, long time. It's good to hear you helping so many lawyers out. 7,000 lawyers, that's an incredible number to train and meet. That's a lucky you. I've <laughs> heard some great stories and some pretty yucky ones as well. I think it's a profession that really should and can improve where it is. Thank you for your time and I wish you all the best in the future. Cheers, Anne. Thank you very much. Okay.